Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and Applaud that. Good job. If you don't know, that was Matt Morgan. He is our worship leader at our Pike Road location on the other side of Montgomery. And so uh, we have a lot of talented folks that are involved in our worship leading uh, here in Prattville and Pike Road and our Cloverdale uh, site that's opening up later this afternoon. And so we are excited about that. And uh, we are grateful to God for all the people he's brought to us. Um, in your bulletin, or your bulletin says that you were in the middle of a series called Behind the Music, and in your bulletin you'll find an installment, this week's installment in that series, and it's appropriately entitled, Mary, Did You Know? Uh, we want to give you, uh, we've entitled this series Behind the Music, to tell you the story behind the music, behind that song, Mary, Did You Know? That's become a big hit at Christmas time over the last couple of decades. It was written in 1984. It's not an old hymn or anything like that. A guy named Mark Lowry. You may know him from the Gaither Vocal Band. Some of you do, anyway. He was, uh, he's a comedian, interestingly enough, but uh, he's also obviously a very good songwriter. His pastor, the pastor at his church, they were performing a living Christmas tree, and he asked him, hey, Mark, would you put together a song about Mary? And he wrote that. And uh, it's just been amazing. And so it's, it has such profound lyrics because it allows us to put ourselves... Uh, back in the time when Jesus was coming into the world, and what did Mary know? If you haven't ever reflected on it, you're going to have a chance to now, because we're going to do that today. today together, we're going to look at Luke's account of the story of Mary's uh, invitation uh, to be a part of God's plan, how it was announced to her, what was going to happen in her life, and there are a lot of life lessons for us. I'd like to have a word of prayer before we jump right in, and I ask you to pray with me, please. 
Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today and pray and to learn from your word. I pray, Lord, that as Christmas time is upon us now, Lord, that in, we'd enjoy the parties and we'd enjoy the fun time with family and friends, but Lord, we would never forget what Christmas is really all about. Today, Lord, I pray that you will speak, move me out of the way, and teach us some life lessons from the life of Mary. I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In your bulletin, you will find an outline where I'm headed today, and it's entitled, Mary, Did You Know? And the point one on the outline simply says this, that God chose, God chose a young woman named Mary to be the mother of Jesus. If you need a pen to fill in that blank or take some notes, fill in any other blanks, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will be glad to pass a pen to you. They'll be coming up and down the aisles. God chose a young woman named Mary to be the mother of Jesus. I want to apologize for some reason or other. Uh, Something got transposed here. All of the references in your outline here where it says Matthew 1, that should really be Luke 1. And so I'm not sure what happened there. We had something get turned around um, when we printed this. So you just kind of cross that out. This is from Luke 1. And I think it started with about verse 26 there instead of verse 28. So I have no idea how that got all turned around, but it did. So this is from the Gospel of Luke. God sent the ga- angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Now, I want you to stop just for a second there where it says, Greetings, favored woman. If you would have been reading this in Latin uh, 400, 500 years ago, it would, and uh, you were talking about how the angel brought greetings, the word for uh, the way you'd pronounce Mary's name would be Maria in Latin, and the way you'd say greetings is Ave. So you would say, Ave Maria. And if you wonder where that comes from and why it's sung at Christmas, it's because of this passage right here. So it just means, hello, Mary. But, um, hello, Mary. doesn't sound as good, okay? And so I suggest we leave it at Ave Maria. And some of you are asking me never to sing again, and that would be good. (laughs) We'll leave it at Ave Maria. But it just means greetings, Mary. That was what the angel said to her. Greetings, Mary. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. This confused and disturbed Mary, and she tried to think what the angel could mean. And if you're wondering what that's about, well, Mary was young, she was poor, and she was a woman. She was female. In the Old Testament times, this is the end of the Old Testament times, the beginning of the New Testament times, if you were young, poor, and female, you didn't have a lot of clout. I mean, you had zero clout in society. Not much freedom, not much independence, certainly Nobody would have thought, wow, this is how God's going to move in our world. She was confused and disturbed, and she tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And if in the margin you could just write this, Jesus just means the Lord saves. In Hebrew, it would be Joshua. You know, just like the Joshua who led the children of Israel into the promised land. When Moses uh, died and um, the leadership was passed on to Joshua, Joshua was the one who led them into the promised land. Jesus is the one who can lead us all to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord saves. That's what his name means. And Jesus came to save us. Don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus, and he will be very great. 
He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. And again, that's from Luke chapter 1. Sorry about the typo. There's a note there for us. It's important. God chooses to use ordinary people. Ordinary people. God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. And he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers so important. That should be good news to us too. You know, Mary was young and she was poor and a female. And that was exactly who God was looking for. Because in the life application, God chooses to use people who are willing and available. She didn't have any letters after her name. She wasn't a PhD. She didn't have a great bank account. She was not a hero and never won an Olympic medal. She may not have even been able to read. Chances are. And so she was no one of great importance. But God was willing to use her. And God chose to use her because she was willing and available. When the prophet Isaiah was called to speak for the Lord, here's what he records. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And I want that to be a big application for us in this lesson. Mary is venerated and honored, and she should be because she was willing and available. Are you and I willing and available? What if God calls you or me to be a part of a mission trip this year? I mean, it's really touched your heart. I, I need to go on that. I, I can't go. I mean, I'm, I'm no international traveler. I'm no evangelist. I'm no great missionary. Are you just willing to go and see what God does? Are you available for him to use? What if God's calling you to befriend a neighbor down the street through a set of circumstances you find out that they're widowed or divorced and they're terribly lonely? They just need a friend. You willing to be a friend? Am I? What if God needs one of us to, be, to lead a small group, to be a connect group leader here? You know you could do it. In fact, we've made a challenge for people to step up and be connect group leaders, and your heart's been beating fast. You go, I never went to seminary. I don't know the Bible that well. Uh, here am I, God. Send someone else. Because I'm just me. I'm just ordinary. Well, I want to remind you and me, God loves to use ordinary people. In fact, I wish I would have put in 1 Corinthians 1 there, 27, 28. Verse 29 is, he uses ordinary people so that no one can boast. I mean, the whole idea of being used by God is to give him the glory, not ourselves anyway. So it doesn't matter if we're a big deal. In fact, God prefers to use ordinary folks because we're never going to think we did it that way. And so God loves it if we just bring our ordinary old no big deal lives to him and say, God, can you use me? I'm willing and able to go if you give me the strength to do it. I think it's kind of exciting if you're thinking about New Year's resolutions for 2014. I hope that'll be one. Lord, I'm, will you just allow me, will you give me the strength to follow you if you tell me to do something? Because God has plans for us, and we'll talk about that. He had plans for Mary, and what made her such an outstanding choice is she was willing and available, and you'll see that as we go along. So God chose a young woman named Mary to be the mother of Jesus. Point two, Mary miraculously gave birth to Jesus even though she was a virgin. 
miraculously gave birth to Jesus even though she was a virgin. And she didn't know how that would work. Mary, did you know? Well, one of the things she didn't know was how that would work. She asked the angel about this in, Matthew, in uh, Luke chapter 1. Again, this is Luke. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby born to you will be holy, and he'll be called the Son of God. Now, this is why I really want to emphasize this is from Luke's gospel, when uh, Luke earlier in the chapter said that the way he established all these accounts was he went and interviewed people. Mary was alive when Luke was writing Luke, the gospel of Luke, and he interviewed her and asked her how this happened and what did the angel say? And he recorded it for us. So he had an eyewitness testimony. And there are people that you'll read if you watch a special on the History Channel or you read some articles that will be coming out and some popular publications, magazines and other things, and they'll tell you, well, the word virgin there could mean an unmarried young woman. It wasn't you know, necessary that a miracle happened there. She, she could have just said she was a young woman. Well, then this sentence doesn't make any sense. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a young woman. I mean, who's ever heard of a young woman getting pregnant? Uh, everyone. I mean, young men don't, and you're, that's kind of the only other option. So that doesn't make any sense, and the angel wouldn't have had to explain it. And Luke was a medical doctor. When he wrote this, he understood how babies came into the world. He was a doctor. And so when he writes this, he meant to say it was a miracle. It's a miracle. In order to believe in Christ, you have to walk by faith somewhere along the line. This miracle baby grew up to be our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who healed people. Blind men could see and lame people could walk. Dead people would rise again at his command. Those are miracles, and to follow Christ, we have to walk by faith. And it's very important that we understand when the Bible says that he was born of a virgin, it matters because Jesus was not like us. In fact, that brings us to a note in your outline. Because Mary was a virgin, Jesus was born holy. That means he never inherited a sin nature like the rest of us. If you read the Bible cover to cover, you will find out that in the opening chapter, the opening pages of the Bible, the first two human beings, Adam and Eve, were created by God and placed in the Garden of Eden. They were sinless also. And they were given a strict command by the Lord. They could eat the fruit off of any of the trees in the garden. There were millions of other trees, but there was one tree, the fruit on that one tree in the middle of the garden, they were forbidden to eat that fruit. But the devil tempted them, and they ate. And it was the tree of the knowledge of sin and evil. And now they knew. They knew it. They had experienced it. They knew what it was like to know what God wanted them to do and do exactly the opposite. As a result of their rebellion against God, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden, out of God's presence in that perfect environment. And the world was placed under a curse, the world in which you and I live. The other thing that happened was, is all of their descendants, including you and me, inherited that same propensity for sin, that same bent in our nature. And so when Paul is talking about a sin nature, this is in your outline also in Romans chapter 7, he says this, I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Can anybody relate to that? If you didn't raise your hand, you have really got a strong sin nature. Okay, that's incredible. <laughs> no, it's, that's the human condition. We want to lose weight, but 
golly, that tastes good. I'm going to control my temper. I'm going to control my temper. I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to gossip. Oh, I got to pass this one along. And the very thing I don't want to do is what I do. The thing I want to do, I don't do. Who's going to help me? And if you keep reading what Paul says, if you look it up later, Romans chapter 8, he says, thank God for Jesus. Because Jesus came to save us and change us from the inside out. He's the one who can fix that broken, bent nature. Is through God's Holy Spirit, we can change. He can make us new. Paul talked about this in Romans 5 also. He said, look, Adam's one sin brought condemnation upon everyone because we all inherited that sin nature. But Christ's one act of righteousness, when he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, makes people all right in God's sight and gives them life. Because one person disobeyed God, many people became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many people be, be made right in God's sight. Because one person disobeyed, Adam, the first Adam disobeyed, we are born physically as his children and inherit a sinful nature that does the things we don't want to do. And that's why following Jesus, Jesus says, come to me and you can be reborn into my family. Scripture calls him the second Adam. The first Adam was sinless and fell. The second Adam, Jesus, was sinless and overcame. He was tempted just like us, but he never sinned. And the life application for you and me is this, that through Jesus, anyone can be made right with God. And above that blank, also write the word everyone. The good news is forgiveness through Christ is available to everyone, available to anyone who comes to him. The writer of Hebrews says, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And in the margin next to that paragraph, write fully human. That's why it matters that Mary was a virgin. Jesus was born to a human mother, but he was placed in the womb by the Holy Spirit. So he was fully human. He could understand us. He's one of us. He had real flesh and blood, and he was tempted in every way that we are, but he never sinned. The great news about that is you can come to Jesus no matter what it is you deal with and say, Lord, you don't know how hard it is for me to resist this temptation. And Jesus can say, oh, yeah, I do. I love to be able to proclaim this good news. We have a high priest who gets us. You don't know what it's like to be rejected, Lord. Oh, yeah, I do. All my friends betrayed me. They left me hanging on a cross. Lord, you don't know what it's like to be burned by religion. Oh, yeah, I do. Lord, you don't know what it's like to be unjustly convicted of a crime. Yeah, I do. You don't know what it's like to be poor. Yep. You don't know what it's like to be a minority. Yep. You don't know what it's like to have the government against you. Yep, I do. Do you know what it's like to lose your own son? Yes. I know. And so we're angry at God. and We won't talk to God. We say, God doesn't know what it's like. Well, if there's anybody in the whole universe who knows everything we go through, it's Jesus. He knows. And that's why we can come to him, no matter what our sin, no matter what our temptation, and say, God, you won't accept me. God, you can't understand me. He'll go, oh, 
child, I understand you better than you ever thought I could. And that brings us to the next reference in your outline, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so we could be made right with God through Christ. And next to that, if you'd write the words fully God, fully God, because he's fully human, he can understand us. Because he's fully God, he can save us. Adam and Eve were not strong enough to resist the devil's temptation. Jesus was tempted by the devil himself at his weakest moment, and he overcame. Because of that, he could die on the cross in our place. The penalty for sin is death, but somebody, the only person who could die for you and me is somebody who had never sinned, and that's Jesus. And he never sinned because he was fully God, and God has the strength to do that. But he had to be human, and that's Jesus, because he was fully human and fully God at the same time. Well, John, that would be a miracle. I know. And that's why the virgin birth is a miracle. I know. This is a miracle, and it's why we celebrate it at Christmas time. It's why we come to Jesus and we give him praise. He is the one person in the whole universe who can save us. If you flip your outline over, um, and that brings us to the next note in your outline, nothing is impossible with God. And again, this would be from Luke 1, not Matthew 1. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. The angel was telling Mary, who was confused and disturbed by this, how she was going to be having a baby as a virgin. How is this going to be possible? Well, the angel Gabriel reminded her that she had a relative named Elizabeth. And if you read the rest of Luke 1, you'll find out that Elizabeth, in her old age, all of a sudden gave birth to a baby. She'd been barren all of her life. But God miraculously had allowed her to conceive six months ahead of when Mary's uh, announcement came. And that little baby grew up to be John the Baptist, a forerunner for Jesus. And the angel said, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I mean, we don't know exactly how old Elizabeth was, but you can guess she was probably in her 60s or something like that, and all of a sudden she's having a baby? What in the world? How's that possible? Well, nothing's too hard for God. That's what Jeremiah 32 reminds us of. O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And if you would underline the phrase, nothing's too hard for you. I hope if you are here this Christmas season, you will understand that the Christmas story is a miraculous story of God's power, of God's plan to rescue the human race, and that you will also understand that this is good news because it means that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing's too hard for him. I love to quote Jeremiah 32, 17 to people. I meet with people all the time. Hey, um, you know, my marriage is over. My husband will never change. My wife will never change. Will you pray for him? Will you pray for her? No, not going to do it. Why not? Well, that old goat, he's too stubborn. He's never going to change. There's no sense praying. Really? Have you ever tried? No. Why don't we read Jeremiah 32, 17? Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Would you pray with me? Okay, but it's not going to do any good. Boy, I love a prayer of faith like that, don't you? My goodness. People dealing with an addiction. I can't quit drinking. I can't. It's too hard. Nothing can change me. Yep, it's too hard for God. You're the first alcoholic. You're the first drug addict ever on the planet. God can't save you. God can't rescue you. 
God can't heal my family after what happened 20 years ago. Really? Have you asked? Have you asked for the Lord's help? Would you trust him if he showed you what to do to fix it? God can't get me a new job. God can't lead me. If you don't get anything else out of this message today, understand this. Nothing is impossible for God. Would you say that with me, please? Nothing is impossible for God. One more time. Nothing is impossible for God. And that's what the angel was telling Mary. Look, your relative Elizabeth is having a baby in her old age. And everybody thought that was impossible. And he goes, yeah, okay. All right. And that brings us to point three. Mary surrendered herself completely to God and his plans for her life. And she said, okay. In fact, she said it much better than that. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. That is one of the most wonderful statements ever of obedience. I'm just the Lord's servant. I'll do whatever you want, Lord. I'm in. And that's why God chose her. Can you imagine if you and I were willing to do that? Well, to fix your marriage, you're going to have to forgive. Man, Lord, I can't do that without you. But I'm the Lord's servant, Lord. If you give me the strength to forgive and the ability to forgive, I'll forgive. God's calling you to go on a mission trip. God, I've never been on a mission trip before. I've never written letters to people to help raise support. I'm kind of nervous about that. But God, I feel like you're calling me that. If that's what you want me to do, I'll do it. I've never led a small group before, but Lord, I'm willing to do it. If you want me to do it, here am I, Lord. Send me. Because nothing's too hard for you. Now, it's important to know here, to note here, that Mary didn't know all that was involved in being the mother of Jesus, but she trusted God anyway. So the song at the beginning of this message was, Mary, did you know? Well, the answer is no. So the next time you hear Matt singing that song, or just stand up and go, no, no, she didn't know. Well, please don't do that. Anyway, but the idea is you could truthfully go, no, she didn't know. She didn't know at all. I mean, if you flip over to the back of your outline here, here are some of the lyrics again from that song, Mary, Did You Know? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? No. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? No. Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new, that this child you've delivered will soon deliver you? No. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod, and when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God? Oh, Mary, did you know? No. She probably knew part of it. She didn't know nearly that much detail. She didn't know all the specifics. No, she didn't know. But she trusted God anyway. And do you know that if God asks you and me to follow him, he's not going to tell us everything. He's going to guide us step by step, and he's going to ask us to trust him. And let me tell you something from somebody who has done his best to follow the Lord for I guess 28 years now or 29 years now, I thank God that he didn't tell me everything that's happening now at the very beginning. I'd have never followed him. I'd have been scared to death. But step by step, he's been leading me. If you'd have, the night when I surrendered my heart to Christ, if you'd have told me that I'd be standing up on Sunday mornings as a pastor of a church in Alabama, Lord, you got the wrong number. I don't know who you're talking to, but this isn't the right guy. But do you know, step by step, God prepared me for this. And he's preparing you too. 
That should give you great comfort. Mary didn't know. She knew that the angel appeared to her and said, this is what God has has for you. And she said, then let it be to me. Oh, and by the way, in that culture at that time, if you were a teenage girl who was not married and you were pregnant, you could legally be stoned to death, dragged out in public and beaten to death with rocks. If your dad was kind to you, he could bring you home and you could have the baby, but no one would ever marry you. You'd just live out an old, ma- an old maid, basically with a scarlet letter on your chest, and you would live a life of shame. If your dad rejected you and the person that w- had helped you conceive the child here wasn't willing to marry you, then you would be shunned by the whole community and you would probably be forced into a life, life of slavery or prostitution. And think of the movie Taken or something like that. No rights, no hope, no future. And Mary would have known that. But she trusted that the Lord was doing something amazing and unique in her life, and she trusted him anyway. She went to visit her relative Elizabeth, and uh, Elizabeth, like we said, was six months along. And when Mary showed up, the little baby, John the Baptist, in her womb, jumped for joy when Mary walked in the door. This is from Luke chapter 1. We got one reference from Luke right. I'm glad. Okay. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And underline, because you believed. She didn't know. She believed. If the Lord's calling you to take a step out on faith, will you trust him? Will you trust him? If it's time to deal with a sin, if it's time to deal with a habit, if it's time to let go of something that's been controlling you, today's a great day. Will you trust him and just take the next step? Eight days after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph found out a little bit more about what would be involved in this. There was an old man by the name of Simeon, and he was a a man whom God had spoken to and God had revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Messiah in the flesh, that this would happen in his lifetime. And so Simeon became an old man waiting for this, and it kept him alive every day. He knew that he had the promise of God that he would one day meet the Messiah. And so the day when Joseph and Mary are presenting little baby Jesus, that was the custom. On the eighth day, they would have their son circumcised at the temple in Jerusalem. Bethlehem was about six miles south of Jerusalem. They come up to Jerusalem. As they're walking in the temple gates, the Holy Spirit leads Simeon right there. And so they're walking in the gates, and here comes Simeon. He grabs the baby, and he starts rejoicing over this baby. They've never met this guy before. And here's what Simeon told Mary. Simeon said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. What does that mean? I mean, can you imagine Joseph and Mary? They're walking in. There's hundreds of people walking in. This guy comes straight toward them, grabs the child, and gives thanks to God that he has seen the Savior. This child is going to be the joy of many. He'll be the undoing of others. This child, Mary, is going to bring a sword to your soul. And he hands the child back. Mary, did you know? Well, you could read in John's gospel, she knew when she was standing at the foot of the cross watching Jesus die. She knew then. 
When the shepherds came after the angel told them that Jesus was born and that he'd be the Savior of the world, they came and worshipped him while he was lying in the manger. And it says that Mary, this is from Luke chapter 2, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. There's a life application for you and me in this. God wants us to surrender completely to his plans for our lives and trust him too. Put your name above that. God wants John to surrender completely to his plans. God wants Susie and Tommy and Billy and Joe. He wants all of us to surrender to his plans for our lives. If any of you wants to be my follower, Jesus said, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. Mary risked everything. She knew her reputation would be shot. Can you imagine telling her dad, dad, I'm pregnant. Her dad and mom, I'm pregnant. Well, Mary, who's the father? Well, that's the tricky part, mom and dad. It's God. She told her fiance, Joseph, this, and he wanted to put her away quietly. He thought she'd lost it until an angel appeared to him and told him the same thing. And Mary knew that, but she was willing to trust God even if others thought she was crazy. She was willing to trust God no matter what it cost her, and that's why she is so highly honored and has been by Christians all throughout the centuries. The Lord says, I'll guide you. This is Psalm 32. I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. All too often, that's a great picture of us. Got to quit something. Just turn me away. I'm going to fight you, Lord, until you just grab it out of me. I mean, John, honestly, will you just trust me on one thing ever? John, will you, I mean, you read it in the Bible. You know it's true. There's a conviction in your heart. Why won't you trust me? If you let this go, your life will be better. Trust me, John, if you walk through and take the step of faith, it'll be amazing what I can do with you. That's what he did with Mary. Lord, let it be to me just as you have said. And that's what God wants from all of us. I look forward to meeting Mary in heaven one day. I'm grateful that Luke wrote all this down. That brings us to point four. Mary knew that God had noticed her. This is kind of a lot. I put a lot of blanks in there. I'm sorry. I'll leave the slide up for a while. Mary knew that God had noticed her, saved her, and done great things for her. How do I know that? Well, she said so. <laughs> Here's a little paragraph. It's called the Magnificat. Mary, and that's Latin again. Mary magnified, glorified the Lord. Here's what she said. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He took notice. He took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. We're talking about her today. A young, poor woman chosen by God because she was willing and available. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He rescued her, he saved her, he noticed her, and he did great things for her. The life application for us is we need to praise God because he noticed us, saved us, and has done great things for us too. We need to. We need to give him praise. In fact, what's wonderful is Jesus himself told us how we should do it. The night before Jesus was crucified, 
he gathered his disciples together for a special meal, a Passover meal. And at that meal, well, Paul records this for us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It had been passed on to him, the same thing I want to pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. So the disciples were gathered around the table and the Lord took a piece of bread and he broke it and said, I want you to eat of this. And the disciples ate. He said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do this, remember me. I'm fully God and fully man at the same time. I'm the only one who can die for your sins. I'm the only one who could be a legitimate sacrifice in your place. I'm going to die so you could live. I'll sacrifice my body for you. Remember me. And Paul went on to say, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. So after the supper was over, Jesus took a cup of wine and he passed it among the disciples as well. Drink of this, all of you. So they drank. So this is my blood shed for you. And the next day when they saw him dying on the cross and the blood coming out of the wounds on his head from the crown of thorns and from the nail holes in his hands and his feet and where the spear was placed in his side, they knew then hmm, all our sins are washed away by Jesus, the only one who could die in our place. He noticed us. He saved us. And he's done great things for us. And so here we go. Here's Mary, a young, she said, a young, lowly servant of the Lord. And she just gave him praise. And Oh, I want us to do the same thing today. At this Christmas time, it is so appropriate to remember why Jesus came. And so we're going to have the Lord's Supper together. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up here on the platform. We have some bread and we have small cups of grape juice at serving stations in the front of the room and in the back of the room. They're all the same, so you can go whichever line is shortest. But we'd ask you, if, if you want to be a part of this, to pick up a small piece of bread, pick up a cup, and then return to your seat as we sing some worship songs together. After everyone's been served, I'll give us some instructions. We'll eat the bread, and we'll drink the cup together. And we'll have a little bit of time of meditation. If you're not ready to do that, if you're coming here today and you're not sure what this is about, we don't want to force you to do anything that you're not ready to do. But if you've surrendered your life to Christ, and you say, God... I want to be fully surrendered in my life. You gave everything for me, so I'm going to surrender my life to you. Well, then I want you to pray with me right now, and when we begin to sing, I want you to come and pick up the bread, pick up the cup, and return to your seat with it. We'll give you some more instructions a few minutes after that. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for Jesus who came into our world to rescue us. God in the flesh. And God, I thank you for Mary who was willing to be his mother. She didn't know much, but she knew she could trust you, and she trusted you with what she knew. And I pray, oh God, that we will learn from her example. Lord, we know that you came to die on the cross. We know that your blood washes away sin. We know, Lord, that you are preparing a place for us in heaven right now, and you're going to be coming back one day soon. And because we know these things, Lord, we surrender our lives to you again and give you thanks.
again for all that you have done for us. In just a moment of silence between you and the Lord, if there is something between you and God, would you confess it now and say, God, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my stubbornness. Forgive me for my procrastination. Forgive me for my carelessness. Forgive me, Lord, for my sins. I thank you, Lord, that you noticed me. I thank you, Lord, that you rescued me. And you have done great things for me. I give you praise. We pray these things together in the strong name of Christ our Lord. Amen.